everybody, I'm Jessica Stone, and I am on the Culture Matters podcast. When you're developing your international business, one thing is often forgotten, cultural differences. The Culture Matters International Business Podcast does exactly that. Focus on international business and cultural differences. Chris and Peter guide you through the maze of business and cultural differences in every podcast episode. Get the global perspective here at the Culture Matters International Business Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. My name is Chris Smith, and together with Peter van der Lende, you're listening to the Culture Matters Podcast on International Business. We are currently on episode number 156, and if you have not subscribed to this podcast, then this would be an excellent moment to do so. You can find us on Stitcher, on Spotify, and on iTunes. Today's guest in this episode 156 is Jessica Stone. Jessica is an international journalist who can attest to the power and the purpose behind what we're doing here on the Culture Matters podcast. She has written a book sharing her stories of cross-cultural adventures and what she learned. The book outlines 20 lessons ranging from different parts of the US to China, Afghanistan and Vietnam to France and Brazil. Let's get right to the interview. Hello, Jessica. Hello, Peter. Good morning. Good afternoon for you, Chris. Very good. Very afternoon, indeed. Hello, Jessica. Hello to both of you. I'm wonderful. Thank you. Good to be All right. here. Cool, 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 cool. Well, we started, we had a bit of a stumbling start in a way, uh, but we're here. Uh, this is something that was pre, uh, pre-recording before I hit the recording button in any case. All right. Peter is here. Um, I'm here. Jessica is here. We know each other, well, at least a little bit, but the audience might not know you, Jessica. That's what it's all about. So if you can, please tell us a little bit about yourself, um, what you do, who you are, where you are as well, and what would you consider your so-called cultural frame of reference? And a cultural frame of reference is not two weeks in Greece or something like that. Usually that doesn't give you a cultural frame of reference. It might give you a nice tan, but usually that's where it stops. <laughs> yes, a nice sunburn for the record. Uh-huh. Um, I uh, am an international journalist. I've worked for the last 20 years in a variety of countries, East and West, always based out of the United States. I'm currently based in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And I also spent um, nearly half of those years working with um, the main Chinese network. So many of my cross-cultural experiences with Chinese people happened inside of a Chinese context in this country, mm-hmm. going back and forth to China. Um, I am by nature a Europhile. I speak French. I thought I would spend much more time working on issues related to Europe. Um, but I uh, see the future, and the future is uh, very much one that is integrated with Asia. And I continue to write about uh, U.S.-China policy and uh, European. I'm fascinated by some of the things going on between Europe and China. Um, and I work a lot more now in financial journalism, having needed to find the last vestiges of intellectual discussion in television media, which in my country is Increasingly difficult, I would argue. But um, more recently, I've written a book called Crossing the Divide, 20 Lessons to Help You Thrive in Cross-Cultural Environments. It is uh, very story-based. I share 20 stories from my personal experience and end each one with a lesson going back to um, my childhood and the way I was raised in this country. And um, really just desire to give uh, particularly young people coming into the workforce a cross-cultural mindset, because I argue that in the United States, we're still 
moving in that direction. I don't think we're as close to that as people in Europe are, particularly those in the Scandinavian countries. I know my Swedish cousins, for example, are much more multilingual and multifaceted with respect to traveling and understanding international cultures. But there are so many pockets of the United States that aren't there yet. And because of what we've seen during the pandemic, technology solves the problem of proximity, but it does not solve the problem of relationship and getting to know each other culturally and communicating with those observations. So I try to set the table in my book for those conversations. Uh, it is not an academic book, but I do recommend it as a good starting place. And I appreciate being here to discuss it with you. <laughs> Excellent. Great. Fantastic. Um, you surprised me a little bit. Do you speak French uh, with, with uh, English with a French accent or not? Non, euh, j'avais un professeur de Paris, donc euh, j'ai entendu plusieurs fois que mm -hmm. je parle un peu avec un accent parisien, pas américain ou canadien. Oh, okay, not bad. Hey. Canadian or French accent, that's good. I I've tried, met... The Canadian accent is incredibly challenging for me to understand. You might find the same, um, almost as difficult as West African French, but probably <laughs> more so, I would argue. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I guess it's for non-English uh, speakers, or not. I shouldn't say non-English, but not 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 native speakers. It's sometimes difficult to even distinguish between the Canadian accent and the American accent. I was just maybe going, going to uh, quick uh, put in a question here, Chris, if you're okay. No, go ahead. And that is, you mentioned China and and France specifically, mm -hmm. uh, and also in your book, which I actually have right next to me here. Oh, wonderful! Uh, you're talking. It, it, it's 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 it, it, it's about your past, about your childhood. It's about travel, and mm -hmm. it's about living uh, in certain countries. I was wondering what are some of the cultures that you were actually living in. So it's more than six months, or maybe twelve months. And what are some of the travels, and what is the difference, if you if you will? And I think it also relates to the question: What are some of the cultures that you found more challenging than others? Mm. Well, my frame of reference is largely Western because I'm American and I um, even fall back on my experience living in Strasbourg, France, really, to try to identify cross-culturally, which is completely useless when going to places like Afghanistan and China. Mm -hmm. um, the, the things that I picked up there um, just d don't, don't translate, if you will, culturally. Um, so some of So I, I did spend um, quite a bit of time in Strasbourg, France, and traveling around Europe from there, but I, I lived in Strasbourg. Um, I lived in Afghanistan for a few months. Um, I was a reporter with, um, well, I was working for myself, but I was a stringer for numerous publications. And so I had a few different cultures there, not only the Afghan culture, but also the U.S. military culture and all of the different coalition partners Uh, including the French, the, the French Legion and the Italians who fought alongside uh, the, the American soldiers there. So, um, so that was a, a probably distinct from simply just being in Afghanistan, but I had a wonderful experience um, living and working uh, with um, the Hazara minority that lives in the largely in the northern and, and somewhat western part of the country. Mm -hmm. um, but as a woman that looks like this, that has a very independent streak, uh, I had to <laughs> definitely dial it back quite a bit um, and take my cues from uh, my my uh, translator fixers and, and, fr and friends. Um, but one of the most glaring things there, of course, is that as a Western woman, you are not really a woman culturally. You are, mm -hmm. I would, I would, 
characterize it as being feeling as though I was being treated like one of the guys because they didn't really know how to characterize me otherwise. And I have yet to meet their wives and female children. It's, it's indeed, we usually do not prepare much for these, these uh, interview podcasts. It's not because we're lazy. Um, actually, we are lazy as well, but usually we, we tend to roll on from one thing to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and indeed, this is one of the next questions that I had in mind that I prepped as well, is because you did mention Afghanistan and um, I've never been in Afghanistan. I've had decent experience with Indians as well. And they also... Uh, they also treat well. There's, there's an uh, gender equality is is still um, in its infancy, if that makes any sense. I mm. mean, before hating record, we were talking about gender neutral words in uh, in the English language. Words like yeah. fireman, for instance, should it be chairperson or rather the chairman? Should it be fire fire per, or etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so how you said dial it back? How do you deal with that in terms of how do you dial back? Do you wrap yourself more in clothes so that you're yeah, invisible? Yeah, I do think that, like that. Yeah, I do think the the way that you dress is a big part of it. Um, the more covered you are physically, I I feel for me in particular, the more um, and particularly because I don't have the Pashto or the the Dari languages mastered. Um, I was already in a, a sort of removed status in terms of being a much more observer than your than your covered head to toe. Um, as a journalist, I'm also often looking through the um, the the viewfinder of a camera uh, or mm-hmm. using a microphone and trying to be uh, inobtrusive. So all of those things and the observing skills of being a journalist really kind of take a step back. What's interesting is when you're the object of such curiosity that they want to draw you out. And you find as as, if you've read the book, uh, there are some really interesting things they wanted to know that had nothing to do with me being American. (laughs) Mm -hmm. True. But that's what you, that's what you mean with the, uh, your lesson 17. It's cultures experienced differently by gender. Um, well, or do that, you mean something else by that? Do, no. Well, I, I do think that that's part of it. Um, but I, I think what I was driving at there was also that becoming a mother for me gave me an additional touch point culturally with, mm-hmm. with people that I didn't have before. Because uh, when I was in Afghanistan, I was a single woman, which makes it easier to sort of translate into the role of being uh, equal to the, the men around you. But once you're a mother, you identify much more with the women um, who share that life experience, and yet you have no access to them. Um, Not only not linguistically, but physically. I mean, I I can count on one hand the number of times I saw Afghan women when we were walking about. um, And and really just one main opportunity to meet uh, dozens of women that had to have the shelter of a man to organize um, a meeting of women. Um, Everything goes through men in that culture. Mm -hmm. And so um, even asking questions, I can't go through a male translator. It needs to go through a female translator when you're talking to women, for example. So, uh, yeah, a lot of additional hurdles, but also um, just a tremendous respect for the resiliency of that culture. Is yeah. that we had a couple of years ago that was in the Netherlands. We had a minister, a female minister of foreign affairs, who mm-hmm. was about to meet uh, um, a Muslim imam. And the way we we uh, uh, shake hands, we shake hands, we kiss, bow, or shake hands, but we shake hands in this part of the world, the Western world, etc. And this guy, refu- this imam, refused to shake the right. hand of this woman. Right. Um, 
so and that was she was really confused about this they she uh, evidently wasn't prepped for this either have you been in a situation like that where you were totally like ignored and just put aside like okay you're just a woman um and and if not or if yes uh, how what would be the tip that you could give or the idea that you can give if if a woman finds herself in a situation like that what do you do well, I don't think, yes, I have. Um, and sometimes even now, if it happens in the U.S. with an Afghan man, which it has, mm-hmm. um, I'm caught off guard because I'm sort of, right, I'm in my culture and I'm sort of yeah. programmed that this is the way we do things. So when they bring their culture to, into play, it sometimes surprises me. But I think the important way to to greet somebody there is is just to, to nod and make eye contact and um, and then quickly avert your eyes. That's it. That's that. That is the only only thing you would do. You, you, you don't you don't um, uh, put out your hand to to shake hands or anything like that. There's... I mean, I don't want to be rejected of that, and I don't want to make mm. that person uncomfortable mm. because that is uncomfortable for them. Okay. All right. I, I think it's, uh, sometimes as a as a good tip is also the, the this, of course what you call the the bow hand and shake, uh, Chris, or what is the order you use it's, those kiss words? Kiss bow in. shake. That's the title of a book. That's why. I yeah. Do kiss it. bow kiss bow shake. Yeah. Exactly. Is. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of like the the outcome of something that comes earlier in my mind sometimes, and that is you will be completely maybe thrown off guard or completely surprised if you if you if you didn't know this right so if if you're going from the United States to Afghanistan and you and you're kind of like maybe naive and you think everything is the same you you will be facing this you might be shocked and you might right, be right. And you might be uh, upset or or angry or sad, right? And mm-hmm. and and the, the same thing is true about the Dutch always, because I always tell people, Americans, if they go to the Netherlands to live and work, say be careful because the Dutch will tell you as it is, and it might hurt. It's not that they are trying to be rude or anything. It's just the culture. So similarly, if you go to Afghanistan, I mean that that's a culture shock. You talk about culture shock as well. I think it's lesson. Uh, I have it somewhere here. Uh, culture shock. Uh, I don't know that I was explicit about culture shock, but yeah, there, there, there's there's one. Uh, now I have to look at my. Uh, but maybe I think you you mentioned culture shock, and you mentioned there is a lesson to be learned. So maybe that's a good segue into that question. Like, um, I need to find now what which one it was. We talked about it just before we uh, went on, Chris. Yeah. I'm I'm looking through the the notes that you put here, so but I can't sure. I can't find it that fast either. No. Uh, well, there there was there was one there was one lesson you talk about culture shock and you should be should be able to learn something from it and maybe. Okay, why don't you go and look it up, Peter, and I'll 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 continue, Jessica, with another um, a question if if you don't mind. Yeah. You talk in yes. your in your book, The Divide. Um, oh, I think he I think he's talking about lesson three. Um, when you encounter a culture clash, seek the lesson. Once you've identified it, decide whether remaining yeah. in that culture requires you to culture be clash. a fundamental yeah, personal value. Yeah, that's what threw me. Sorry about that. If so, it's better to appreciate what you've learned and move on rather than remaining in constant internal conflict. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, we sort of, some of that's a bit of personality, but that came from um, really encountering uh, a culture of of American ideologues that were very different from myself, and um, I don't think. Look, if you have to, if you have to work with folks, you're going to have to figure out how to do so. But if you can remove yourself from the situation because it's just requiring you to re- portray a, a fundamental personal 
value. Um, I mean, you need to be true to yourself, I would argue. Um, and that can mean taking yourself out of the situation. Physically, yeah. literally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, now, that's not to say, and, and, and let's relate that to real life, right? In Afghanistan, is it a personal value of mine that women have rights and they should have a place mm -hmm. uh, in society? Absolutely. Um, was my broader agenda to tell stories about this complicated part of the world that the that, that was the source of terrorism and and um, and a lot of uh, you, uh, Western uh, money and 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 lives uh, absolutely so I so in that instance you know my sort of journalistic values overrode my personal values mm -hmm. I also didn't get put into a position where I had I was asked to treat women as less than women and that's also important to me I really. Um, you could argue that my stories were in some ways biased by that, but I'll own that because I didn't put myself in situations where I couldn't speak to women or I couldn't address women and tell their stories. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, it, it basically uh, in your 20 lessons, and this is the question I, I uh, when you started answering Pierre's question, <laughs> you, you, you talk about 20 lessons with, with some anecdotes behind it, etc. Would you consider those being universal in, in, in that? Do they apply to everyone always or do they apply to, say, Westerns more so than to the Afghans, for instance? Or Oh, this is definitely written for a Western person trying ah. to make. Yeah. Because that's my vantage point. So, um, I mean, my first lesson, as you know, is you can't understand other cultures until you understand your own. You're always going to have a frame of reference on how you're measuring things. And, and you have to know your own ruler, I, I argue, before you can really understand, okay, so I have to calibrate to the, you know, this direction when I'm here, I have to calibrate. And you're always coming back to, okay, this is what I know and I'm familiar with, but I'm calibrating to the right or to the left or up or down or how, whatever it may be. Um, and I think that's important. And a lot of, um, again, Americans uh, don't understand their own culture. And, and there's a variety of cultures inside our country. So um, that's, that's, I think, something that's incumbent upon us to understand. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm I'm trying to process what you're what you're saying, indeed. And there's that hear that a lot, indeed. That that Americans are. It's it's a question I, I tend to ask as well. Um, uh, who are the most culturally ignorant? Uh, what is the most culturally ignorant people? And usually, people come up with Americans. But it, it's not so strange, though, and to the extent that that what is it? Fifty percent they that doesn't have a passport. You don't need a passport per se. If you want desert or mountains or anything in between, you find it in one country. Why would you? Yeah. Um, and in addition to that, if you switch on your TV, you get the, the, the news from with a radius about 20 miles and that's it. I yeah. Mean, actively, if you really want to know what's going on in the world, should you want to know, then you have to indeed go to a BBC World Service or CNN International, not mm -hmm. the local American one. And, and there I've been But in hotels, also, five star hotels even, where they don't even have international news. Yeah. Chris, matter. I would also add that to me, it's, it's, it's uh, emblematic of the size of the country. I think there are similar patterns in China and in Brazil. Um, mm. I'm often stunned at how few Brazilians know much about any any place other than Brazil, do not speak Spanish, even though the majority mm. of the content does, um, and have very little curiosity about the rest of the, the continent. Um, but certainly culturally, there's a hegemony. Uh, American culture is quite uh, ubiquitous by comparison. And I would actually take it even a step further because I've been around as well uh, quite a bit. I've lived in a couple of countries, 
small and large, so small Panama and Guatemala and larger uh, Argentina and the United States and etc. And I and the of course I'm from the Netherlands, a small country, and I find that cultural incompetence or cultural ignorance or what have you is present in any culture, mm-hmm. regardless of the size, almost because. Of course, in the Netherlands, you can cross a border within, you know, you drive for an hour, you're in another country, actually another culture, uh, you know, German culture, national culture, but even within the Netherlands. Uh, but going on vacation is, I was call, call it a revolving door. That's not necessarily being interested yeah. cultural, culturally. Right. You're just going on vacation to Spain. I'm going on the beach and I'm preferably I'm going to look for my Dutch beer. Right. Uh, so that's I mean, you see it. I, I think you see it everywhere. I think the Americans are more blamed for it because there are so many of them. And there are, of course, oh, very and I present think we can be world. a bit obnoxious about and clueless. Right. Like I, I remember talking to my folks when they came to visit me in Paris. Um, Please don't wear white sneakers. We'll be able to, we'll be able to pick you out of a lineup. Too sweet. You know, like, please don't sneakers embarrass and white me. Socks. Oh, my oh, yes. Up to your knees. Yes. please. Or, or dre- dress up, put on put on the tie and white sneakers anyways. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so if yeah. you talk about know your own culture first, what would you, what would be, what would be one of the things that you would say this is what you need to understand as an American? And can I link? Uh, can I kill two birds with one stone? That's yes. question, Peter, from you. And, so efficient uh, and what of you. you. What you said as well, Jessica. You started out with, uh, you wrote your book uh, primarily for young people to give them a, like a head start or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, or at least make them culturally aware earlier in their life. My experience is I've done a few wor- few sessions uh, for, for different universities. They are the most ungrateful audience. It's not because <laughs> they're ungrateful per se, but they just don't have a frame of reference. If I say that German culture is different from Argentinian culture, they go like, oh, they, it's, it's, they can't place it anywhere. So how, how do you, how do you, so uh, That's how do you why understand this is your so own culture if you don't even see any other culture? Um, well, I, listen, um, that's a big part of why a picture of me in Afghanistan is on the cover. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and the, the real impetus behind the book has been that I've been asked to tell my stories of how I sent myself to Afghanistan 10 years ago for the last 10 years. And mm-hmm. I think when you grab people with a narrative of, um, you know, risk and adventure, uh, they are more likely to listen to you. I, if I, if I, if my main um, touch point was, yeah, I worked in an office with people that were different from me, and here's what I learned. I, I don't think that would fly. Um, but, but I, I don't know. I don't know that I expect them to be self-aware. It's about getting them to a place where they think, well, if I want to have adventures outside of my country, I might need to pick up some of these skills. And Mm -hmm. if I want to be successful, because we know that, you know, millennials are terribly debt ridden in this country. And so they need to make the money to pay their student loans. um, You know, I I might need to pick up some of these skills. I also think of my cousin who's about five or six years out of college has worked um, for SurveyMonkey. So she's had run-ins with your (laughs) Your culture of uh, frankness, um, but you know all these it's jobs. Honest, these it's are- honesty. It's honesty, <laughs> Jessica. <laughs> hey, and I, you know, in a Chinese context, I, I yeah, I mean, I, I'm persona non grata in some cases because I'm just too straight and to the point, right? Yeah. Because I, I don't have the level of sophistication in my communication that Chinese people do. Um, but but just going back to to my sort of avatar, 
so many of these young young people coming out of college are going right into the tech sector, whether they're writers, whether they're mm. programmers, um, and and these are companies that are international companies. And whether or not they're based internationally really doesn't matter because their reach is international. So they have mm. to they have to know these things to be successful. You're preaching to the choir here because, uh, of course, uh, what Chris and I always tell everybody, you have to be cultural competent. All companies are international nowadays. And even yep. internally in companies, you, you have uh, mergers. We, we, we are going to do a webinar after this one about mergers and acquisitions and the cultural impact of that. And you're right. I mean, we worked actually both worked for KLM Royal Dutch Airlines. I, know, I was and listening we, to your podcast talking about the failed yes. attempts at mergers. With right. KLM. And, and, yeah. and Chris and I actually met in Venezuela, South America. Uh, so we were already uh, on an international path. And of course, you come flying in from the Netherlands in, into, into another culture. Uh, so it is essential to be cultural competent in our minds. Uh, and you mm -hmm. need to do something about it. It's one of the biggest, I think, mistakes in international life to not. To, to not officially and, and, and purposely try to become more cultural competent. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, maybe this is treated like a soft science, an add-on, where I, I argue the I really, uh, as, as non-academic as my storytelling is here, I really think it's fundamental. It is a fundamental modern skill set. And I you'll think never I, have it mastered. But you I like your, have to be willing to learn. I, I agree with you. I like the word hard and soft because I always say, I think we should switch those words around because... Mathematics, in my mind, is soft because, or, 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 or calculation. The, the, to, the, to say it simply, there are rules and regulations out, uh, uh, in mathematics. Uh, let's, go, let's go back to the simple calculation. We all know that one on one is two. You can learn that. It's not difficult to see. It's not done, you don't have to have an opinion about it. But it's very hard to see cultural differences and to understand your own culture. That's hard. That's not soft. And that's how relationships are being built. And that's how, also how they are sometimes broken. So I, I would actually try to switch, switch the hard and soft around. I agree with you. When it comes to uh, the le so we talked about your lesson number one, which is understanding your own culture. Mm -hmm. uh, and I ask you, like, uh, tell us more. Maybe it relates also to the question about uh, le lesson sixteen, which is you know uh, about having an American view of your own point of view. Uh, can you give an example when you actually caught yourself? In, in 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 that trap, saying, "Oh, I, I, I'm I'm looking at this from an American point of view, and now I'm in, I am in this situation, and how do I get out of this?" Well, uh, that really became glaring to me when I spent some time in Hanoi, Vietnam, um, because so much of the narrative around Vietnam and the United States is the failed war in Vietnam and the lives lost and the way it played into politics and civil rights uh, in my country, and. Um, I had really no idea how warm and welcoming the Vietnamese people that I encountered would be to me, given that, in my mind, I represented not only a failed war, but, but uh, a, a country that, that, you know, tortured and eviscerated parts of the, the natural world and has left, you know, hundreds of people, thousands of people crippled from landmines. I mean, it's not, it's not a beautiful part of American uh, mm -hmm. international involvement to think about what happened in, in the Vietnam War. So yeah. I was totally uh, overwhelmed, surprised, and taken off guard by the receptiveness and um, spent some real time talking to people about why that was. And it was fascinating, the stories that came out of that, because 
that Confucian ideology of harmony and reconciliation and making peace really, and the economic imperative, they own that, to, to, um, to, to reopen their economy. They knew they needed to have a relationship with Washington and on a political and economic level. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily translate into people liking you or welcoming you when you, when you, you touch down uh, into their country. And I really found a, a, warmth, um, a, a warmth that I didn't expect to find and, mm-hmm. and kindness um, that I, I didn't expect to find. Yeah. Particularly in the northern part of the country, right where, um, where where the United States was even well, were the enemy um, at that time. more the enemy, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm I'm looking at the time a little bit as well. We are about thirty plus minutes in our in our call, and you have a deadline as well, Jessica. That's what you told us. Yeah. Um, I would like to ask Peter one more question, which is um, about commonality. And uh, and then we can wrap it up, and because we've got more questions to ask you, but maybe we could actually do a follow up at a later stage as well, as a as yet another podcast. So you talk about in your lesson four, you talk about commonality mm-hmm. in in general, and and you end your quote in turn or your 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 lesson finding commonality is the key, and is becoming a lost art. Don't let it fade away. That's what you say. Mm-hmm. It's. It's something I'm. I'm not sure if if I if I agree or whether I misunderstand this. I think I always people ask me as well. What should we focus on? On the differences or or, or the things that we have in common? Um, my stake or my take on this is that um, uh, you have to focus. You have to focus on the things that that we have that that are different and not on the things that are that we have in common, because usually we take them for granted. And the analogy I, I mm. tend to use is that if you have two or three or ten pairs of shoes then um, uh, you don't realize you're wearing them unless that ninth pair, the left shoe always hurts when you're wearing it. You will always feel that, always. It will just not go away. Um, so focusing on what you have in common is, is for us at least, for Peter and I, led to the failure between Alitalia and, and KLM because that's the approach they took. Look what we have in common. Mm. Well, not a lot. What we do have in common is we both speak English, <clears throat> we have an airline, etc. all this kind of stuff. It just miserably fails. So my lens is not um, business to business. It's person to person. And mm-hmm. it's establishing relationship through the lens of finding what you have in common. And then I do think you should explore the differences together and have a conversation about it. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you and I both have children, for example, there's a point of commonality. We might yeah. both like the same sport, the same music. Start there and build backwards. But I, but I think that's how you get to the place where you, you highlight and explain the differences. Uh, and coming in as a student is really critical to say, I, I don't know everything about your culture. My guess is you don't know everything about mine, mm-hmm. um, but we do have X, Y, Z in common. Um, given that, we're, how can we build on that and explore the differences between our cultures and learn about each other so we can work okay. more effectively together? So you're, yeah. not saying, you're not saying skip the differences and just focus no, on No, no, absolutely not. I agree with you there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a slippery slope. Um, we, and that's why Chris uh, was uh, uh, asking this question uh, directly uh, or in a direct fashion because we firsthand saw the implications of not recognizing, uh, recognizing differences. And in fact, there are great articles written about failed mergers and acquisitions and the yeah. ones that we were actually involved in. And one article that came out later was like yeah, a, a bridge requires a gap. 
you cannot build a bridge between two people, two cultures, if you don't recognize that there are differences. You can try to ignore them and say, we only, we just get along, right? We all both like pizza. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we don't recognize that our fundamental differences, you cannot fix them. Or let's not say even fix them. You cannot build the bridge. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what uh, what uh, we are uh, aiming at. One last question, if we have one more minute, Chris. Sure. And that is, of course, I still work in the airline and airport business as well. That's uh, what, how Chris and I met, and I still do business in that area. And you mentioned, actually, specifically in Lesson 11, uh, the domestic and You're international terminal. Here, Jessica. <laughs> that's fine. So now I want no, to I know. That's where you were going because I was shocked. I was so what? shocked. <laughs> so I want to know exactly what you what you saw and what you took from it. Oh wow! Um, well, this was you know this is this is my interpretation of what happened, right? But um, because I I had a flight that was inside Brazil, we were going to a, a domestic airport, and the quality mm-hmm. of international awareness was so much lower than it had been at the main Rio airport. Uh, and so I made assumptions based on that initial experience that I would be able to navigate with English or with, you know, my, my approach to Portuguese is, is I mix Spanish and Italian and I sort of stumble through, use a, mm-hmm. just try to emphasize my Latin roots, learn a lot of sign language and try to find somebody that speaks English. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it didn't work. I mean, it did not work and it certainly didn't work under deadline. And um, and there were some rookie mistakes in there with time management and, and not having my phrase book handy. But the biggest thing there was just, uh, yeah, there was nobody that spoke English at, at the uh, at the domestic airport. And, and assuming that there would be was pretty faulty. Some of that could be that, you know, the Americans assume that. I, that could be, I, I could own that if that's part of it, but it had been markedly different from the international airport. So um, yeah, make sure you have your, your uh, phrase book and your, and you're on time when you're going to a domestic airport, it's not going to be the same experience. Yeah. All right. Okay. Talking about experience, I don't know, just a a bridge sentence for for the sake of having a bridge sentence. Two questions more for you. Um, Can you give us three tips to become, from your experience, to become more culturally uh, sensitive, aware, um, uh, competent, culturally competent? Sure. I think the first one I would uh, note is that if you're managing a diverse cross-cultural team, it's really incumbent upon you to uh, communicate regularly the goal, emphasize that we're all on the same team to achieve that goal because everyone's approach to doing so is going to be different based on their culture, personality, gender, et cetera. Um, and I found that when I was with the White House Foreign Press Group, which had mm-hmm. was like the United Nations of, <laughs> of press corps. Um, and we just had very different approaches to conflict mitigation, to discussion, to how to govern, um, and and so just keeping emphasizing the goal is very important. Um, second of all, I am not a believer that you have to lose your identity to identify with other cultures. I think it's really important to keep what makes you unique and special. Uh, but again, p- approach other people and other cultures as a student and learn um, with an open mind. Doesn't mean you change everything about yourself, but it 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 does mean because I think we have a especially generationally, we have a real question. We have a lot of questions around identity in our younger population. And I, I want them to know that they don't have to lose who they are in order to be culturally competent and culturally relevant. Um, thirdly, thirdly um, I do think it's that the first lesson that we discussed, it's, um, oh no, actually the, the, the thirdly is uh, 
you'll be surprised at how definitions of justice, law, and truth are completely different across cultures. And in particular, the construct that the, that Western civilization has and Eastern civilization, those are defined. Um, they're certainly more concrete in Western culture than they are in Eastern cultures. And so understanding that and exploring that, going in with just an awareness that you can't take uh, those concepts for granted the same way you might in your own Western culture, if you're Western uh, Western individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's really important, uh, particularly for me, the concepts around truth are really important to understand um, how those can be a lot more fluid in the East. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually the fifth dimension of Hofstede, if that makes any sense. Um, but that's a different story. Um, all right. <laughs> Look forward to so hearing it. The last, the last question then, if people want to get in touch with you, Jessica, how can they do that? And maybe in addition, where can they find your book? Um, so Crossing the Divide is available at my website, jessica-stone.com. It's also available on Amazon. And you can always email me at info at jessica-stone.com. All right, Peter, any last words? I was just, uh, no, I enjoyed it. I was just listening to the uh, Jessica summary, the last three, and I uh, the, the, the three the three points. And it's uh, always stunning how people who are, uh, working in different cultures come to similar conclusions so like the similar goals right we all have the same goals but you get that differently I mean Chris has a great graph uh, that he uses for project management how a German gets to the goal and how a Frenchman and how yeah. an American gets to the goal so it's, it's the trial and error American way or it's the German engineering way but the mm-hmm. same goal mm-hmm. right we need to get there so that's a great one that uh, I love that uh, how Chris uh, put that together and then the second one I love too is like you don't have to lose yourself. And I always tell people, do not do as the Romans do, right? This whole thing, like do in Rome as the Romans do. Please don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the world would be a lot more boring if we were all the same, right? Exactly. <laughs> very much. All right. Thank you very much, Jessica. Peter, as well, thank you so much. Um, I wish pleasure. you all a great day. And um, well, that's it. And we might actually plan a follow up. Who knows? Yeah. Hey, I would love to. All right. Can always Take learn care. more from you folks too. Sure. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Jessica, again. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, the Culture Matters podcast on international business, please do so. You can do that in iTunes, in Spotify, and in Stitcher. And while you're there, why don't you leave a review in iTunes? And the more stars you give us, the better it is, and the more people can find us, as a matter of fact, as well. The music you hear in the background is from Ben Sound. Check them out at bensound.com. Two weeks ago in episode 155, we were talking about the cultural implications of mergers and acquisitions. So make sure you check that out as well. My name is Chris Smith and together with Peter van der Linde was this the Culture Matters podcast on international business and we will be back soon. Thanks for listening. Overlooking cultural differences when you're developing your business internationally can be the biggest mistake you can make. Let Chris and Peter help you avoid those mistakes. Get in touch now. Go to culturematters.com.